Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and today I have Jessie R.T. joining me. I have been following her for years and so excited for her to join me here at Radiant. Hey, Jessie. Hi, Kelsey. This is so fun. I'm super excited. <laughs> so exciting for me to have you here. Oh, thank you. I seriously, you know, was telling you this earlier, but remember um, your style posts, um, back in the day when I was in college, so I guess five or six years ago, um, and just like sitting at my desk and looking through um, your posts. So it's just, oh my gosh, now be connected today. <laughs> and so I just, I would love for you to start by sharing your story. You've been doing this for a while. So I'd love to hear like your journey. Oh my goodness. Well, my journey has been, man, a windy path, which obviously that's probably the case for most people. But in in my case, I just really have sort of felt like um, I've been all over the place. I uh, currently, maybe that's a good place to start is <laughs> more recent. <laughs> like at the beginning, if we start at the beginning, we'd be here for three days. Um, so currently I'm a style expert and an on-air host. Um, I have a podcast with my husband called Marriage is Funny. And then I also have a uh, dress design that I'm launching called Season. And we make one dress. It's called the Pepper Dress. And it's really fun. I think we'll talk more about that. But um, I'm working on that right now. Basically, um, over the last 10 years or so in the fashion industry and as a style expert, I've um, I've experienced so many different um, parts of the industry. And now it's all kind of coming to fruition in this new product, this dress. And um, it's really fun because it's it's become, I guess, kind of a accumulation of a lot of the things that I've learned and a lot of the people that I've met and the and the values that I've come to appreciate and to um, really hold dear in both my personal style and in my overall life. So um, further back than that, I I did I have worked in more traditional non creative settings, but, um, I tried to block those out of my memory because it wasn't the best time <laughs> of my life. So, um, but yeah, we've lived all over. Um, and it's been, it's been just, just such a, a, a pleasure to be able to share so many bits and parts of my story along the way as I go. I think that's, what's fun. And especially to connect with you today, it's like, we, we've, cross paths on the internet, but we've never gotten to talk in real time. So this will be super fun. Yeah. I'm just, so, I'm so excited to even get to hear more of your story on a more personal level, because I think it's easy to look at, um, your websites and be like, wow, she's really successful. But if you very much understand the process of it's been 10 years of hard work and yeah. now you're just launching your line, what has that been like? Because I think a lot of people, um, from the outside looking in are like, wow, that's overnight success. But they, they might have just stumbled across your website two weeks ago and not mm -hmm. realize that you have put in 10 years of hard work. What, what do you have to say to that? That's such a great point, honestly, because I'm guilty of doing the same exact thing. <laughs> it's, it's oh yeah. True. Yeah. I'll see, I'll see like a new friend on Instagram or a new a new blog that I love or something and be like, Oh my gosh, how did she get there? This is so amazing. And I, um, I think just even the, 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 the knowledge of it being, being self-aware enough to understand that, um, 
that we don't know what the person's past has looked like and we don't know what they've done to get to the spot that they are today is so important. Um, but in terms of my, my experience, um, I, especially with, uh, a lot of the work I'm doing for season, I'm realizing that it's important to share both the hard parts and the great parts because, well, first of all, I've never worked harder in my entire life. I don't think there's one other job maybe where I was my actual, my last time that I worked for someone else, I worked for, um, uh, J crew actually. And my weeks were like 70 hour weeks and overnights and just travel and like crazy, crazy. Um, but then I also have had different varying levels of, um, busyness and, uh, different, almost, I, I don't always love using this word, but I think I'm a, uh, recovering workaholic to be totally <laughs> honest. And so I definitely have experienced that in certain times as well, but with season, I it's, if it appears successful, or if it appears, appears that I have it together, um, it's mostly because I'm working my butt off and, I don't, you don't always see that part of it. You know what I mean? And so I think that's one of the reasons why I actually really do love sharing. I, you know, I put up a post the other day on my blog, Style and Pepper, that I think helped people get a little bit of a better sense that it's not all like (laughs) sunshine and rainbows. Um, Because I talked about um, just the challenge, it was a specific challenge of how hard it's been to find the fabric that we love. And it's kind of maybe not that interesting of a post to people. Like you don't necessarily care where your fabric came from if you're going to buy a dress from somebody. But because it was such a huge challenge for us, I mean, it was like a months long. I I traveled all over the country. Um, I was calling places all over the world. We're doing a ton of research, meeting with people right and left. I mean, it was literally um, a huge, huge chunk of getting this thing made. And nobody would know that if I didn't share that part of it. You know what I mean? And so I guess it's just kind of being really transparent. That's been, oh, it's been a way that I've seen in other parts of my life and in other parts of our business and journey and everything The the transparency has brought a lot of blessings. And so I'm trying to always remember that when it comes to, um, you know, this new thing I'm building and and that hopefully will let people know that it's not as overnight as it looks. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, like it's that transparency that I think ushers in freedom for so many other people. So I really appreciate that. I think I saw a tweet of yours that said, uh, crying on the closet floor. Did Oh was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, ah, oh, yes. It's like you have those days too. And I think it's so important. Yeah. I think it's just like important to, you know, there's the delicate balance of not oversharing, but, you know, sharing and letting people in to know that it's, it's not just always glitz and glamorous and it's, it's hard. Like anything successful takes hard work. Totally. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I so appreciate you sharing that because, you know, who would have thought like fabric could have consumed such a huge part of your life. You know, the consumer tries on the dress and I was like, this is great fabric, but have no idea the blood, sweat and tears you put into sourcing it. And one of the other things that I think is interesting is that we really like in terms of just the fashion industry as a whole, we get so excited. Um, Well, I'll speak for myself. I get so excited when I 
know more about the story of whatever I'm purchasing. I mean, really that extends to other things too, because I would say it applies to food with the whole farm to table movement and, um, you know, any sort of lifestyle product. Um, we, we like to know the story more now. And I, I just, I'm very conscious of that is how I like to shop. And so that's kind of one of the things we just really want to be able to create that full experience. Um, not that everyone needs to know when I'm crying on the floor of my closet, but at least people can find out more about where everything, um, all of our materials come from and who's making our pieces and all of that. So no, I think it's great that you shared your crying on the floor of your closet. <laughs> it, it, reminds, it helps us be like, oh, everyone has those days. I'm not alone. Yeah, it's totally. not only me that feels like my world is falling apart. Like it's, it's, sure. hel- it's helpful. And so I, I, uh, it, I'm thankful for that. Um, I, what has your experience been in the fashion industry? What influenced your, you know, the style of season? Great question. I, well, I started off actually as a personal wardrobe stylist. And so I was coming into women's homes, working with them in their own closet, putting together looks for different events or their day-to-day life, and then occasionally going shopping with them. And so I felt like I, right off the bat, got a really good handle of what uh, what women look for in certain garments. Um, and obviously it can change pretty drastically depending on someone's personal style. But I, I think the things that don't usually shift too much are things like versatility or just really beautiful drape of any sort of fabric, like the actual way that it lays across your, your, you know, your skin. Um, uh, how something is made. So like really high end stitching quality, Um, and then even just like little things like how, what's the care instructions, you know, do I have to take it to be dry cleaned or can I machine wash it? Stuff like that. I started to realize was pretty universal regardless of exactly what your style might look like, whether you're bohemian or classic or whatever it is. And so, um, those sort of things sort of laid the foundation, I guess, for a lot of the components of our dress that I'm really proud of. And then in terms of versatility, I just really have started noticing, in my own style journey. And I think maybe we'll talk about this because I know you and I have chatted a bit about this particularly, but I, I'm a little bit of a style chameleon. And I noticed that because we've moved a lot of, because I travel a lot, my style sort of takes on almost a mind of its own in some ways. And I really (laughs) like, I like to be influenced and I like to let myself be inspired by my actual geographic location. And so I noticed that I had a couple of dresses um, a handful of years ago that I would always reach for. Um, There were two actually, and they both were like, okay, these are like my staple go-to for every trip I would take. Um, And even in my day-to-day life too, but especially for trips. And I remember wishing that um, the fabric of one had the shape of the other and vice versa. There were like things I loved about both, but I was like, man, if if I could just mash these dresses together and make it a remix, that would be amazing, actually in the same garment. And so I went and found some fabric. Actually, our first fabric for the prototype, um, the first prototype I made, I actually took apart a maxi dress that I already had um, that I had gotten from a thrift store. I think it was originally from Anthropology, but I found it at a thrift store. I dr- took apart this maxi dress, made the prototype based on these other two silhouettes that I already liked. And then just started wearing the heck out of that one. And I've worn that one almost weekly, I would say, sometimes more. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, for the past several years. And so then um, 
I started learning more and more about all the different ways this dress could work. And originally it was just meant to be worn the one main way. But as I would take it on trips, I would say like, oh man, I wonder if I could wear this with like the sides tied up. It kind of makes it more like a tank top if I do that. And then I would say, oh, and then, you know, I'm at the beach. And so I'm going to see if I could actually tie the bottom parts of the hem to the side so that it actually makes the dress shorter so that I can go put my toes in the water without the bottom of the dress getting wet. And then, you know, things like that would make me realize how, how, how almost like transformable this particular silhouette was. And so I just kept running with it. And I don't know if I'm really answering your question, but I guess this is kind of was like a lot of experiences that sort of informed the way that I wanted this dress to end up being um, and so that sort of brought us to where we are today, having it professionally made, obviously, and, and, and turned around, produced for the masses in a way that's ethical and done here in the United States. It's, it's really based around a lot of the things that I've experienced as a style expert and then also as um, a fashion blogger. Yeah, I mean, you totally answered the question. And I, I do the same thing. I have my go-tos and it's hilarious having a background in, in obviously you even more so having a background in fashion, you're, right. you're given free clothes a lot of the time. Oh, and yeah. I still wear the same thing over and over and over again. Totally. Um, and I, I just have my go-tos and I think that's really cool to see how your experience with what you were wearing and what you were seeing women do with clothing, um, shaped how you, you know, styled or made the perfect piece. So from, mm. from your description, it sounds like you're a fan of slow fashion, right? Definitely. Can you explain that? Yeah. So I think, you know, depending on how you define it, one of the things that I, that I really am excited about with our dress anyways, is that, um, it's, it's being made for the people who purchase it. So for this first run, we're, we're launching via Kickstarter. So we're pre-selling the dress and then the first production run, run will be actually, done for whoever has purchased the dress, you know? So, um, and then down the road, one of the things we're excited about experimenting with is having just our solid colors offered probably seasonally because I love a good play on words and that just seems obvious. (laughs) Um, but then also one of the cool things is our printed fabric is, um, is sourced here in the garment district of downtown Los Angeles and it's dead stock silk. So all of our dresses are made from 100% silk for a whole lot of reasons. I don't need to bore you with that if you're not interested, <laughs> but but the dead stock silk that we find means that it's left over from a project that a larger fashion house has completed and most of the time when a when a big fashion brand has silk custom made and they don't use all of it, they either resell it to um, like a fabric jobber, which is who I find it from, or they throw it away. So really by using dead stock silk, we are preventing this material from being thrown into a landfill. Um, and obviously, I mean, when you're talking like the quantities of silk that we're purchasing is small compared to like a Diane von Furstenberg, but it's, takes up a lot of space. And oh, so yeah. it would make a big mess, you know? So anyway, I, so I feel really excited about that. And the cool part about using dead stock silk is that there are pretty limited quantities. So like this first, um, this first printed version that we have, that's the black and white, which honestly, like ugh, it's, it's one of those things where I threw the challenge of finding the fabric, not to like 
you know, go back to that too much. But I was really struggling with wondering, especially on a tight timeline like we have been, I was thinking like, is the fact that I can't find anything that I like, is this a sign? You know, I'm kind of a little bit overly um, superstitious, especially when it comes to stuff that I felt like has come about in a really um, beautifully um, sort of happenstance way. And so I just kept thinking like, maybe I'm supposed to just go a different route altogether or not use silk or all these different things, you know, asking these big questions like that felt big to me in the moment. And then that's why the the story is kind of fun. So I ended up finding this dead stock pattern that we loved more than anything I could possibly have even dreamed up. That was what was cool. And so it was just one of those things and we found it and we can only make um, about 35 dresses from, from the amount that they had. And we bought all that they had. It was a hundred yards and that gets us just about 30 to 35 dresses. So, so that's kind of fun is that the slow fashion piece comes into it because once we make those 35 dresses and they are sold out, the fun thing is whoever has those knows that no one else will have those yeah. dresses in that fabric. But then we also get to go find another dead stock print we love and kind of introduce that as more of a seasonal thing. So we're excited about that as well. That is so cool. And what, I just love hearing all the intricacies of the process. And I can, <laughs> I always, I'm, I'm always like self-conscious that it's boring. To no, people. it's so interesting to me. So you can be like, um, yeah, lady, that's enough. <laughs> no, this is great. And I love hearing about it. And I'm sure our listeners will too. I, I think it's fascinating. And it's why you're here. I love hearing about it. So, um, so cool. So I would love... Um, to hear about like the evolution process of like your personal brand, the different areas you have going on. You have uh, pepperology where you mentor women and then you have season now and then you have your own blog. A, I know the real answer is I don't do it all, but how do you do it all? And like a little (laughs) bit of an explanation because I know anyone's going to say I don't do it all, but you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And how have you... um, how have you navigated this journey of like some things fall to the wayside for different seasons and some kind of come to the forefront? Yeah. You know, it's, it's really been such a process for me. And here's the thing. I'm, I'm such a yes girl. (laughs) (laughs) And throughout the majority of my career, especially towards the front end of it at the beginning, one of the things that I think was, really beneficial in getting to me in getting me to where I am now is that when opportunities would come my way, if I thought that I could deliver on it and if it sounded fun and sounded aligned with my brand, I would say yes. And the good part about that is that it meant that I was learning so many different parts of the business. Um, for example, when I started and I was doing mainly just blogging and personal wardrobe styling, I had someone reach out and say, um, at the time we lived in Kansas City, Missouri, and one of the local news producers that I knew there reached out. They knew I had a background in TV news and they said, you know what? We actually have been wanting to do more style segments. Would you be interested in coming in and doing just like a fun trend segment or something? And I'm, I that's very much within my wheelhouse. And so I was like, yeah, that would be amazing. And so saying, and then I learned more about how that process works. I know all about the hard hitting news part of things, but I wasn't super familiar with the fluff, like news magazine type stuff. So I really learned so much of that by, by just saying yes. And then same with editorial styling at the beginning. Um, 
one of the first few clients I had that had me doing editorial styling or commercial styling was um, some of the local ad agencies in town who wanted and needed someone to pull wardrobe for like a print ad or a TV commercial and that sort of thing. And so I learned how to do all of that by just saying yes. And I, I felt really confident in that the fact that I could deliver what they were hoping for, but I will never forget when um, I was actually, I was with girlfriends. Uh, it was like a summer Friday or something. And I was sitting with some girlfriends by the pool um, and my phone rang. And that was back in the day where you just answered any phone call. Cause like there weren't all these robots calling you all the time because <laughs> it was from a number I didn't recognize. I did remember noticing that it was a New York city number. And I, I was doing at the time, a handful of jobs in New York city. We lived in the Midwest, so I would just fly back and forth, but I noticed it was a New York number. So I answered and the woman on the other end said, hi, I'm a, um, a, um, reporter for, um, time incorporated. I'm putting together a piece for money magazine about this family that lives in Missouri and their extreme couponers. And we're shooting their house for, we're, we're shooting their family for this story and we need to make sure that they look great. So can you, it was like two hours away. Can you pull, can we hire you to pull wardrobe and you drive down there for this shoot? And I've never done anything like this before at this point. And I'm like, um, let me check my calendar. I put them, I put the lady on hold, you know, on, on mute and was like, Oh crap, what is happening? I was like, and so it's just funny because she found me because of my, my blog and my social media, but I, and she knew I was close to the area and it was cheaper for them to hire me instead of flying someone from New York out. But I just remember thinking if I had said no to that, because I wasn't sure if I could do it or if I had something else going on and, um, you know, it was like the next day or something. So it was really tight wow. turnaround, but I was like, I know I can do this and I know it's going to be a good experience. And so I said, yes, but the point is, is now, um, you know, I've had like this really full circle, um, experience really that started happening last summer. And that was after so many years of being a yes girl with, with, definitely some intention thrown in there. And, and I had honed in quite a bit by the time it got to last summer. Um, we moved from New York city to, sorry, I guess I'm jumping ahead. So we lived in Kansas city at the time. A couple years later, we moved to New York city, lived there for about four years. And then about a year and a half ago, we moved to the beach here in Southern California. And right around that time was when I noticed a huge shift, um, both in my heart and in my career, I stopped, feeling like, um, well, I just, I didn't feel like my heart was in blogging the same way that it had been for so long. And I think there are a handful of reasons we can go into that if you're curious, but basically I just decided that, um, I needed to start pursuing something different. But in the past, what I'd always done is when I was curious in or interested in adding something new, I had just basically added it to my plate. Um, And by continuing to add new, more new things to my plate, you know, like every six months or so, I felt like I would add something new or try something new. And sometimes it was based on things people were wanting me to participate in or work on. And that was fine. But after so many years of that, you just start to feel exhausted. And you realize when you meet a new person or when you talk to people and they are like, if you're talking to a friend and they're trying to introduce you to someone else who's standing right there and you can tell that they don't quite know how to introduce you. That was <laughs> happening to me all the time. Like this is Jesse. She, uh, does a lot. Does a lot. <laughs> yeah. And like when that's the end of the sentence, I just, I don't know. I, and I don't think it was as much of a conscious decision, but I got to tell you, 
I feel so good. And I don't say this from a place of pride. I say it from a place of um, certain humility, but also uh, relief because of how much consternation this has caused me over the past several years. When, when I have a friend, this happened the other night, I was at a happy hour event and my girlfriend said, this is Jessie. She just launched a line of ethically made dresses called Season. I, I literally, I mean, I'm, I feel myself just like my heart is racing and my emotions start to well up because that to me feels like exactly what I want to be pursuing in this moment. And it feels like it just... It's, it's so clear and it's one of the things that I noticed last summer, which is what I've been trying to get to with this long drawn out story is that I realize that I am so ready for this to be my main thing. And I'm so ready to let any of the other things that I do be the supporting characters or even be, I mean, and to be totally honest right now, I'm not working on anything else but season. And it's been that way since last uh, June, June, last wow. June of 2016. I've not worked on anything else with the exception of like two or three TV segments, which I mainly am just doing that type of thing because it's, you know, a few hours, one morning at a time and it pays the bills. And so, um, other than that, everything else is on hold and it's been difficult because, you know, there's a, a really great author that I've followed and been able to spend time with personally, um, and has taught me so much. His name is Seth Godin and he, um, has this great illustration when it comes to projects. He's a very project-oriented person, and he, I think, provides a lot of great um, knowledge and um, affirmation for anyone else who views everything they're working on as projects. Um, and he talks about how when you end up wrapping a project, whether because it was not successful or because it was wildly successful and you're just tired of it. Either way, if you just picture it as if you were, you'd filled up a jar and you now are putting on the lid and setting it on your shelf where you keep all your projects. The beautiful part about it is that you're not throwing it on the ground, smashing it into pieces and then sweeping it into the dustpan to throw it away. You're just putting it on the shelf. And sometimes you put jars on the shelf that are I'm actually totally drawing out this metaphor, by, by the way. <laughs> he just talks about shelves and projects. I'm picturing it as a jar and I'm saying, you know what? There have been plenty of projects that have not worked out for me. And in those cases, I say, you know what? That's all right. I'm going to put the lid on, put it on the shelf. If I end up picking it back up again at some point, fantastic. But the beauty is uh, it's it's not permanent. And because it's still my shelf, um, people, you know, I can look at it and I can share it with others. I can tell people about it. I can let it be a part of my experience. It's like building up this pantry of, which I didn't even mean to do this, but that actually like kind of segues perfectly into pepperology because we talk so much about um, lifestyle design as a way to create a happy, healthy, and flavorful life around whatever your current reality is. And I, I say that, you know, everyone's got a different ingredient list of things that are in their pantry. And maybe these projects that we finish um, or temporarily pause are what make up our our ingredient list. Wow. Yeah. Would you say that, you know, in the beginning, a li- we kind of like use this as a bad word now, 
But in the beginning, hustle is kind of required. And then you kind of mature into learning to say no. I mean, at least I feel that way. Would you... Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think it's going to be different for everyone. I totally agree with you and know what you mean in terms of hustling. And I think, um, but you know what, that's why I think it's so important. It's almost more important to me. Like if I were giving advice to someone who is just starting out, I would say it's actually more important to be aware of how things will change for you seasonally. Um, than it is to stick to some sort of like, oh, I have to work these crazy long hours or, oh, I have to take on every project, every single project that comes my way. It's it's more important to say, um, maybe even to put like a, like a time frame or I'm just thinking back to what might've made it different for me. Like if I said, okay, I'm going to take on anything that comes my way for the next six months and then see where that leads me. Cause part of it too is like experimenting, right? Like, oh, we start, yeah. you know, just starting out, we, 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 we want to sample things and we want to see like, okay, yeah, that feels like a great fit or no, thank you. That was horrible. Or, oh my <laughs> gosh, this is, um, I could spend every moment of every day for the rest of my life doing this and be so happy. And like, we wouldn't, a lot of times know any of that. And that was why internships and things like shadowing people and things like learning from folks who are maybe doing the field that you're interested in is so important is because you get a little bit of a snippet here and there. So I think maybe knowing that you'd have a a season of hustle is okay. As long as you're aware of the fact that, you know, you want to make sure you're setting yourself up in in a, sustainable career because as a creative entrepreneur, something that can happen and this can happen in a more typical job too. And it did to me back in the day, but I've experienced it in both cases. It's really easy to, um, let your identity be very informed by your work. And if, if that feels good to you, then it's easy to keep chasing that. And it's, it's difficult to stop from, um, letting that define you. And so it's, yeah, I think there are definitely times for hustle and then times for maybe ease. I would say it would be the other word that I try to pursue, but for me specifically, here's something interesting. Like, so the last, really the entire time we lived in New York, but specifically the last few months we were there was like major hustle for me, like blogging full time, um, podcasting almost full time, which was nuts to do both. I mean, it was wonderful and fun, but like when I look back at how much time, actual time, both of those took up, I'm like, how did I like, I don't even remember how that worked. It's so weird. But anyway, so that was a lot of hustle for me. And there were other things too. I was doing a lot more on air stuff and pepperology and mentoring and all of that. So then when we moved here, I feel like partially because of circumstance, some of the stuff kind of got pushed to the side or shelved, let's say. Um, but then also I just was like really ready for rest. And, um, we kind of set it up so that we would have a few months. We moved here in October and we set it up so that we would have, um, some time. Like I basically said, I'm not going back and I'm not going back to work until the beginning of the following year. So I had like what, three months or something to just set up our house get my bearings, um, recover from some of the hustle and rest. And then I, I knew that starting back up, 
which would have been last January of 2016, I knew that starting back up, I wanted to take a completely different approach and really try to infuse my my whole life with the ease that I was craving. And one of the things that's been challenging for me, like currently, is that since season has taken so much work to get off the ground, starting like really noticeably more this past fall up until now, it's it's been very tempting to slip back into the hustle. And in many ways, I I totally have. I'm not saying it's been tempting and I've resisted. I'm saying I'm I'm in it. I'm hustling right yeah. now. <laughs> so it's been difficult. But I think that's again, that's the seasonal thing. You just, you know, okay, this is what I have to do to get it off the ground. I'm staying up late. I'm saying no to social outings. I'm working longer hours than I like to, but I um hopefully knowing the contrast of the two formulas um, will gravitate more towards the ease once once I get a chance to um, get my head above water. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that word ease because I I feel like I've very much been in a place of hustle for two years now. And Well, you do so much too. I feel like as I'm answering this question, I'm wanting to ask you the same exact thing. Uh, well, my answer is that I've been hibernating for the past month. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so, yeah. And that's what I've like told my friends, sorry, I haven't hung out. I've been hibernating. Um, for me, and I, I would love to hear your thoughts here too. For me, moving across the country was actually like a big fat reset for me. Um, I just don't have as many friends here. You know, I have some really amazing community, you know, but instead of 25 girlfriends to meet regularly with, I have five. And so that makes a huge difference, huh? Oh yeah. And it's, it's, I, you know, when I go home to Tennessee, oh my gosh, I run myself ragged because I'm trying to see these, you know, relationships that I know it's hard. I'm sure you feel that way in New York and Kansas. Well, well, we go to Kansas city. It's literally like, it, it would be comical to show you my calendar because we're usually only there for like three days at a time. And I'm not kidding you. We're seeing like five different friends every day and like sometimes more because it's like a couple or a family and we're just trying to cram it all in because we have to see everybody. At least that's how it feels. It does. Oh, it's hard. People are like, why don't you just sneak into town and not tell anyone? And I'm like, well, I, I legitimately want to see these people. I know. So it's, totally. I'm not going to sneak in. I'm there to see them. But yeah. when you're going on coffee dates or stopping by people's houses from 6 a.m. to midnight, I mean, I, I just got home in March and I have hibernated ever since. And I kind of was like, okay, I've got to hit reset. If I evaluate my life, I'm saying a lot of yeses to things out of obligation and guilt. And oh, that's a whole nother podcast episode. Yeah, I know. If I sit, I joke all the time. If every counseling session I have, we talk about guilt, whether it's guilt in my business or guilt with my team or guilt with my friendships or guilt with my marriage, you know, whatever. I guilt is my biggest struggle. And so for me, I've really just said a lot of no's this month, and it's been like the best month of my past few years. And the first few days I fought it and I felt like I'm extremely extroverted and social. And so my husband, even more than me. And so I fell into this like funk for a few days. And I was like, I feel sad. I miss home. And then after that, like four or five day mark of just kind of being alone for a few days, I mean, I am not the candidate to go on a silent retreat. That sounds horrible to me. Uh, Me too. Like how boring. (laughs) I mean, I think it's got to sound peaceful for people who like it. But after I did, after I was like mostly alone, like I saw a friend here or there, And now it's been like three or four weeks of like maybe seeing a friend once or twice a week and really just cranking out some work, taking some time to rest, deleting email from my phone. Um, Oh, yeah. So smart, girl. So smart. 
I was like, wow, like now I see why people like to rest. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. It's so hard. I totally relate to so much of what you just said. It's just, it's, I think honestly, like I, this can get a little bit of sound like a little bit of a buzzword, but it's just helpful. So I'm going to use it anyways. I, I think one of the biggest blessings in my life, uh, in my adult professional life, so it's kind of narrowing it down a little bit, has been um, kind of accidentally tripping into this world of personal development and personal growth because it's brought about so much self-awareness for me. And it's also brought about a really, really um, beautiful crystallization of my faith as well, which I think some people would say that it's, that's like, that's kind of backwards or that they don't always go. I mean, I don't know. I I, I've heard mixed feelings, but the self-awareness piece, um, has really helped me understand. And that's a lot of what we talk about in pepperology because understanding your own inner world, um, not only helps you interact with the people and the world around you, but it's just going to be able to give you so much more information on how to set up your life. Yes. Ooh, man, you are speaking my language. (laughs) Seriously. Would you say moving from New York to California changed your pace of life? A hundred percent. It's so drastic, honestly. Like, and I, so my husband and I met and got married in Southern California. We, um, so we, so I grew up in Arizona we, I moved to San Diego for school. We went to Point Loma Nazarene University. Woot woot. And <laughs> um, then we, so we got married and then moved to Kansas City and then to New York and now to here. So I've lived in a handful of different states yeah. and cities in the country, but I haven't ever noticed such a contrast until moving, like even moving from Kansas City to New York wasn't that wasn't that jarring to us because in Kansas City, like we lived downtown in a walk up, like it still felt very urban to us. Obviously the city size is drastically different and there are so many differences, but I didn't like, I don't know. My style didn't change that much. And my, my day to day didn't change that much. The weather didn't change that much to be honest. Um, but when we moved from New York to here, everything changed. Like the people are different. And obviously I'm speaking in broad strokes here, which uh, you know, and just to be brief, but, um, it, it's just been wonderful. And actually, so an interesting kind of part of why we chose Long Beach is that we, um, a couple years back, I guess about three years ago, it was such a, we had a couple of really bad winters in a row in New York. And, um, then the, I think it was the winter after hurricane Sandy. I don't know if you remember all that mess, but when hurricane Sandy hit the East coast, we lived in Hoboken, which is just right across the Hudson river from Manhattan and, um, like almost like a, like a, um, almost a swim. Like it's really close. So we, um, but we, we were right on the, on the river. And so the hurricane hit us really hard. And I feel like emotionally, I know it's going to sound weird, but it was pretty traumatic. Um, and then the winter fall, we were out without power for nine days. We were like rationing our food and waiting for the national guard to bring us food. Cause all the roads, we were basically trapped on like a little Island of, um, of powerlessness. Wow. <laughs> it was horrible. But so that winter hit really hard. That was in October. Then the winter hit. And then it was like really cold for several months as it is on the East coast. And so towards the end of that winter, I was like, 
I don't think I can do this anymore. I definitely don't think I can do it for another winter. And it still feels like the end is nowhere near in sight. It was like beginning of February. And so I went to Gerard and I said, can we go somewhere for like sun or something <laughs> warmth? <laughs> and he was like, sure. And so I knew I had this project coming up in, in, um, in LA in a few weeks. And I said, why don't we just extend? I have to go anyways. Why don't you come with me? And he was like, great, that sounds awesome. And I said, why don't we just extend it? And so we decided to do this workation was what we called it after reading the four hour work week. Um, he talks about, yes. Tim Ferriss talks about taking these little pre-retirements. And I was like, let's just do like two months and we can stay with either your parents or we can get an Airbnb or whatever, we'll, you know, pick a spot. And so we did it and we landed in Long Beach. We rented a little spot right on the sand and we, we were here for two months and Gerard worked remotely. I can work from wherever, um, especially at the time, what I was doing at the time. And so, um, I, I just, I mean, it's obviously a longer story of how we made it happen, but the point is we fell in love with Long Beach. And so, um, really the entire following two years basically were, um, the two of us trying to figure out how we could make that a permanent situation, still wanting to maybe do the bi-coastal thing. Cause we, we would go back and forth from then on. And we loved going back and forth and kind of having two places that we felt the same. But when we were here for that first long stint, I remember I talked to my mom on the phone one time and she's like, you know, this is going to sound strange, but you actually sound different. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, your voice, your voice sounds different to me. And I talk to my mom like every day. So <laughs> it's very, very odd that she would say, you know, like she knows how I sound. We sound the same. Actually. It's funny. People can never tell us apart on the phone, but, um, she said, you just, your voice sounds different. And I was like, well, that's strange. And she said, you sound more like your old self. And I was like, what do you mean my old self? And she goes, I don't know. Take it, take it with a grain of salt, whatever you want. Um, but she just, she said that and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And, um, I started realizing the longer we were here, the more I felt like myself. And I started really journaling a lot about this concept that I call having a soul city. You know how people talk about soulmates and, yes. and and all of that. And I think you can actually have multiple soul cities and multiple soulmates. But in my case, I, I hadn't ever experienced it until landing in Long Beach and realizing that I think it is definitely my soul city. And Gerard feels the same way, which we're obviously grateful for. Um, but so it's just everything about it is is just magical to me. So <laughs> yeah. are you there to stay? For sure. Oh, like yeah. 100%, no question in my mind. I mean, it's funny though, because when you have heard me uh, say a never or an always statement in the past, it almost always ends up <laughs> happening in the opposite. Yeah. Like people would ask us when we lived in, in the Midwest, people would say, especially when I was working in fashion, people would say, oh, do you, do you think you'll move to New York ever? You travel there all the time. And I would always say, no, I will never really to New York City. No, I, I had no desire. I always, always felt like it was so idealized by Sex and the City reruns and like people, well, I'm old enough. I have watched it real time, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like people would just go crazy for, for that idea of moving to New York City for fashion. And I just, I'm not, I'm not knocking it because it was a really awesome experience and a wonderful chapter of my career. But before I experienced it, I had no desire to live there. I knew the reality of how expensive it was and now noisy and messy and all these things cold. Um, <laughs> but it is wonderful. It's glittery and exciting. And there's just so many fun parts about it. I'm glad we were there. It was such a good chapter, but, um, 
I love visiting. That's how I, that's how I like to explain it. It's so much more fun to visit to me than to live. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I would have never guessed that. I'm so intrigued. Yeah. I, I, there's something about a place and I don't know if you feel this way about Long Beach, but I, I, and I talk about it all the time. I'm like, I think I want to live in a beach community because I like who I am there. I like that I can somehow mentally shift into slowing down a little bit. Yeah. It's true. And also a fun fact about our neighborhood. (laughs) We live in this little neighborhood of Long Beach called Belmont Shore. And it's one of the older neighborhoods. So like all the homes were built like in the 20s and 30s. And um, they're just darling little bungalow, like teeny tiny. Well, most of them are, ours is very teeny tiny, little bungalows. And most of the people that we live with and do life with and are in community with that are in our neighborhood on our street are like our parents' age and they're retired. And they... um, are they they understand that slow pace of life. And so it's been very easy to, I mean, obviously we have friends our age too, but yeah. even those friends, like it's just weird. People just, um, especially in our little neighborhood, like it's a bunch of vacation homes and it's a bunch of people who, this or this is their second home or whatever. And that has made it um, feel more normal to be taken a nap on the patio at two o'clock in the afternoon, which I haven't done in months, but just, you know, it, when we first got here, it was like, Oh, no one's going to think I'm, um, weird or I don't know. That's a weird example. Cause I hate t- taking naps, but Gerard does it all the time. I mean, I think that's great. <laughs> yeah. I, um, yeah, I really, uh, like who I am when I slow down and I, we took a spontaneous trip to visit our in-laws, um, back in February, like literally on a Thursday, booked a flight for that weekend. And uh, they live in uh, outside of Fort Lauderdale in Florida. So mm-hmm. I, we cool. just stayed for 10 days and I was like, I, we need to do this. Like I, I <laughs> we need to do this more often. So um, well, can, can I, I just convince you guys to come here? Oh yeah, <laughs> seriously. At least for a quick visit. I'm We've coming. got a spare bedroom. It would be so fun. Okay, count, count me in. We'll I'm talk. not kidding either. Um, we'll talk. Um, yeah. So, okay, one thing you touched on, and I would like to a- ask you about this, and you gave me full reign to you know, ask you <laughs> any deep questions, but I know, and I didn't get to listen to all of it, so I didn't get to listen to who lives with chronic pain, but one of oh, you, yeah. I know one of you on episode 33, because I was yeah. catching up on why what why y'all were on pause and y'all mentioned right. this. Um, and I, I feel this way a lot of the time. So I would love to hear about like your journey. Is it you or your husband who has to It's me. You, tell me about yeah, it. It's me. So, oh my gosh. Yeah, most people are so nervous to ask about this. I'm really glad that you did because I, I don't, I really, I, I don't know. I have like no filter, I guess. And so, hey, I took um, your word at face value and I was like, I'm going to ask because well, <laughs> yeah, go know, for it. So totally. Go, I would love to hear like how you deal with that, what you're struggling with, how you yeah. get all this stuff done when you hurt. So, well, first of all, um, I'm, I'll definitely share now, but a good, um, bit of, if, if anyone's interested in how it works within marriage and just like communicating and living through, um, that experience as a part of a, a a partnership, a relationship, I would definitely recommend that episode 33 because, um, we go in depth and I think it's helpful for both. Um, well, I think it's helpful regardless of whether you know someone or are someone with chronic pain. Um, I think it's helpful to hear both sides of the story. And so like, for instance, right now I'll share, but you don't get to hear from Gerard at this moment. So I definitely would love, um, 
for anyone experiencing this to go listen to that. And really for me, um, it's been, um, such an interesting situation because health wise, I've grappled with, um, a handful of different things that have, uh, caused the actual pain. And so it started off as being, um, I was having, I have polycystic ovarian syndrome and it's been misdiagnosed a bunch of times, um, as, um, middle Schmerz and endometriosis. And, um, there've been, um, a time or two where I've had to had, you know, all kinds of blood tests, hoping that it wasn't anything cancerous or anything like that. And, um, it's just a really painful condition that causes these cysts to grow on your ovaries. I hope this isn't TMI. No. Um, and then they burst and it, when, when they wow. burst, it hurts really bad. And actually it's weird. Cause like either they get so big and they're so traumatic that, or not traumatic, but there's, they're so big and so, um, well, and like dangerous that they have to be surgically removed or they just burst and then your body kind of absorbs the, the, um, fluid and stuff, but it's, it burns like it's extremely painful. So that was the first experience that I had. And I was diagnosed with that at 19. So it's been a while, um, almost, well, I guess, yeah, third of my life. So, um, that, was something that actually happened while Gerard and I were, well, no, I guess I already had been diagnosed by the time I met him. So I was already kind of navigating that, but then throughout treating that and, uh, having other, that's obviously my reproductive system, but then I've had other parts of my body start to like, I don't even like using this word, but it feels like there've been other systems of mine that have started to fail in a way. Um, and, a lot of them are things that the main symptom is physical discomfort or pain. Like I also have Raynaud's disease, which is a circulation problem and it's genetic and my grandmother had it and um, she had it pretty drastically. And I didn't know that until I started having these um, like really scary moments where my feet and hands would turn uh, green um, wow. because I was getting, yeah, no blood flow to my feet and hands. And this started happening when we lived in Kansas city and it would always be, it would only ever happen in like winter, but not, um, like if I really drastically, like my body temperature got too cold and I have really low blood pressure too. And that's part of it. And like, um, anyway, so all these different things kind of contribute to this hand and foot thing where it's extremely painful and scary, um, because your, your extremities aren't getting the blood that they need. And so anyway, so that's been another part of it. And then I, um, more recently, and I think what Gerard and I are mostly talking about on the show is um, I, in the last few years, have started to have more digestive issues caused by the poor circulation. Um, and so it's affected my my gallbladder shut down and almost had to be removed. And I've had several gallbladder attacks and all these things. So anyways, st- I totally sound like a Debbie Downer right now, but that's just to say that like, and I'm not even... <laughs> I'm not even going into some of the other stuff, so I'll spare you. But um, it's been just a constant struggle for me. And I guess, um, you know, I explained some of the nitty gritty just to give a little bit of context. But the point is um, the biggest challenge, specifically as it relates to my faith, I think, is grappling with what it means to live in a broken body or what feels like a broken body. And and then just... um, letting God work on me or really letting, um, 
letting God work on my heart um, in ways that don't necessarily always have to do with healing has taken a lot of conscious effort, if that makes yeah. sense, and a lot of prayer. Because it it's a lot of times, and I think it's weird too, because like friends and family who know that I've experienced some of this stuff, a lot of times, you know, they're so sweet. They ask, how are you feeling? And like, I'm praying for your health and I'm asking Lord for healing. And like, I really, you know, how can I encourage you on this? And um, I really trust that you're going to be well and all of these things. Like it's, but I, I want my life to be about so much more than just my physical health, even though it takes up a lot of my waking thoughts and a lot of my, you know, I have a lot of doctor's appointments and I do everything holistically. Um, so there's a lot of like supplements and eating right and taking care of my, um, you know, sleep schedule and workouts and all of these things. It, it's a lot of effort for me, but I, I want my life to be about, um, reflecting God's love so much more than I want it to be about, um, my pain. And so that can be really challenging, but I'm learning as I go. And, um, it's just, again, it's, it's that word is journey. It feels like it's, it's just a, a part of my story in a way. Yeah, totally. Does, do you have periods of time where you have to put work on pause because of everything more? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I have for sure in the past, like when I was really first struggling with the cysts bursting, it was definitely bad enough where I would have to stay home from work and, and things like that. It was like doubled over pain, like clutching my abdomen, you know, like just completely. And actually that was one of the times that I, it's weird. Everything has sort of led into each other because I started noticing that when my pain would get really bad, all the blood in my body would, would go to my abdomen basically, or my core and like my face, I would lose color in my face and my blood pressure would go really far down and I would, I would sometimes pass out. And anyway, so all these different things would make it kind of dangerous for me to be out and about. And then more so now, like I notice, I just have to be really mindful of in terms of balancing the amount of time I'm on the computer, just because I can get really, um, a lot of muscle stiffness and soreness, um, which is not good for, um, some of the other things that I struggle. Yeah, sure. And so they're definitely, it's just learning to kind of try to, now that I have the flexibility of being, and I should say not, it didn't happen recently, but back seven or eight years ago, when I started to learn how to be my own boss, you know, yeah. I was like, okay, guess what? You don't have to sit at your desk from nine to five. If that's uncomfortable physically, then set up your day differently. And that's, that's what, um, that's one of the very small components of learning how to do this lifestyle design thing that, that built up pepperology is that I was like, wow, there's so many parts of our life that we feel like has a big fat should sitting on top of it. I should do this. I should do that. But if we can be creative and obviously all, we all have restrictions, right? We all have realities we have to deal with. Some people have a full-time job and they do sit have to, have to sit at the desk from nine to five. But I'm always, I've always been such a figure outer -er yeah. <laughs> that it's like, well, then it's kind of Gerard teases me. He says, if you had, um, one motto for your life that, that I could choose for you, because I know you wouldn't choose this for yourself, it would be where there's a will, there's a way. And I think he's right. Cause it would say, you know, Anytime there would be some sort of restriction, if I wanted it a different way or felt like it could be a different way, 
Um, I think I'm headstrong enough and creative enough that I combine the two and say, well, let's just figure out how this can work. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I'm just like, I'm really encouraged because I, um, and I don't even think any, most people listening would know this, but, um, I have hypothyroidism. And so there are definitely weeks where like, you know, I had a week in November where I just like couldn't get out of bed. And so, and I think even my husband, I'm I'm really excited to listen to y'all's episode because even my husband, because I, um, if I I don't know if you're into personality types, but on any (laughs) any personality typing system I take, it'll tell me I reframe everything with positivity. So I don't even know. Interesting. Yeah. And I don't think he even always knows the extent of you know, how, how much it hurts and how debilitating. Oh girl. Oh, you are going to freak out when you listen to that episode. I'm I'm telling you with me. (laughs) Yeah, no. Yeah, you should do. That would be such an honor. Oh, and then we could talk about it afterwards when you come visit at the beach. Um, (laughs) No, but it's so funny. So first of all, it's one of the things that I get tested for almost yearly is hypo and hyperthyroidism because, uh, the polycystic thing is such a hormonal deficiency that they can never figure out what's, you know, they're always like, we're pretty sure it's one of those, but it never is. So I totally feel you on that. Cause I think a lot of our symptoms probably are yeah. the same. Um, and it's very difficult to, one of the things I struggle with in this, this comes up in that episode is I, I hate complaining. Yes. <laughs> and, and so that's why a lot of people, that's why actually, to be honest with you, the fact that you even just asked about my health situation is like, I think it's healthy to talk about it with people who are actually interested, but I don't ever want to bring it up and have people be like, oh Lord, she's talking about that again. Um, Especially not my sweet husband. And, and so I specifically don't bring it up unless it's like level 10, which has actually caused more problems than not, because if it gets to level 10, meaning the pain then, and then I snap at him and he's like, whoa, what's the deal with you? And I'm like, Sorry. I'm literally dying over here. Yeah. Like I need to go to the hospital, you know? And so, um, I don't always need to go to the hospital <laughs> yeah. if it's a level 10, but you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes it has gotten to that point where he's like, I had no idea. And I'm like, that's because I don't feel like telling you unless it's really bad or I don't, I just don't want it to always be about that. And so we've just learned that like, um, one of the things we have to do is he, either he or I, well, first of all, him giving me the freedom to say, especially like if he walks in the door at the end of the night, um, usually towards that time, like dinner time is when I'm, I'm feeling uncomfortable. Um, and especially after dinner. Um, but anyways, it's like a lot of times I don't want to cloud our time together with complaints. And so he has had to say like, look, if you are feeling on a scale of pain, if you are feeling any worse than a zero, I want you to be able to say like, Hey, just so you know, I'm rocking like a 2.5 right now, low grade (laughs) headache, but I'll be fine. Just wanted to let you know, he would prefer that than not knowing until it's really bad. Cause sometimes obviously he walks in the door and I'm like, um, have you ever heard of the comedian Brian Regan? No. Oh my gosh. He has such a funny (laughs) bit about, first of all, he's one of my favorites. He's also, he's super clean. Like his jokes are all pretty family friendly. I haven't heard his recent stuff, but, um, he has this one joke. It's so funny. He talks about being at the hospital. And if someone asks, you know, they always say like on a scale of one to 10, what is your pain and how you don't really know what to say? Because if you say it's at a 10, they're like, okay, we're going to amputate your leg. Um, but if you, I mean, not obviously, but he's, that's the joke. Or if you don't say high enough of a number, they won't give you the right pain medicine. And that's what you really want. And so he's like, 
he's he the joke is like just say eight you know and so Gerard and I love that joke and he just is basically screaming say eight say eight and so sometimes when he walks in the door I have to be like all right I'm at an eight because I need you to know that I'm uncomfortable and maybe a little grouchy from that but that way he understands like okay um I can be here for you or I can leave you alone or I can like give you your space whatever is going to make you feel better in this moment that way I can I can um, we can interact with each other without it having to cause conflict between us. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited to listen to y'all's episode <laughs> mm-hmm. about that because you're just navigating, navigating this and really yeah. it's been worse than it has been in the past, you know, oh, maybe shoot. nine months or year. And so oh. I, uh, well, we, well, we can have, have a separate conversation yeah. about that, but I have all, all kinds, kinds of remedies, remedies and things that are I super definitely want to hear like natural and organic and I'm happy route. to recommend. Seriously. <laughs> I, and I think even for people listening, like, ju- like there's gotta be some listeners who are juggling with, you know, mm. some physical ailments that really some days inhibit them in their business. And it might just be encouraging for them to have heard, you know, like we struggle with yeah. it too. And it, it's, yeah. it's hard sometimes. And it's, you don't want, you don't want your pain to be your legacy. So it's hard to always yes. talk about. And yes. so, yeah. you know, just like opening the conversation up, I thought was really important. And when I, when I heard that this morning, when I was listening, I was like, oh, I've got to listen to that episode and I've got to ask her about it. Totally. totally. Glad you did. Well, okay. So before we go, I, do you, if you could recommend any books or podcasts or Ooh, obviously your nice. podcast, um, you know, <laughs> any resources for our listeners who are maybe launching their dream or juggling a day job while they're, you know, thinking up what they want to do with their life, you know, what would you leave Ooh. them with? <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh, this is such a fun question. And you'll, you can just be like, that's enough because I <laughs> no, can go on and on. It but, all. Um, so one, so I can think of the two of the pop to mind, one's a podcast and one's a book and one's a little more like practical. And then the other one's a little more inspirational. So the first one is the podcast that I have been loving recently is called how I built this. Yes. You heard of it? Yep. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, have you already talked about it on the show? Yeah. Uh, a little bit, but it's the same okay. more. Pe- I, okay. lo- I can't well, talk about it enough. I don't want to go too much into it if you've already covered it, but it's basically just this guy. Um, he, Guy Roz. Yeah. <laughs> it's an awesome name. He he features these um really notable business people who have like extremely high profile businesses that you've for sure heard about, or most cases. I mean, it's like Spanx and AOL and Patagonia and Airbnb and like people like that. And he talks to the person who like built the thing. So it's not always the current CEO or the person who's currently in charge, but it's like the person who came up with it in the first place. And a specific episode that recently just like, oh, was so encouraging, especially because I'm, I've always been such a media junkie and specifically I love audio as a medium, um, is the episode where he interviews and I'm blanking on her name, but it's the woman who founded, um, Radio One, Ooh, which is the yes. first. Did you, you listen to that one? Yes. Oh, so good. And I loved that it was a woman and it was just so inspiring. And just like she she actually um, also included a little bit about her spirituality in there, which I loved hearing that. And um, so that was cool. And then the other the other resource, I think. So that whole series is awesome. I just love it so much. The other resource that I would highly recommend um, and I give. Oh, actually, I just thought of a second book, but these are the two, because honestly, this is like a really telling, um, explanation. I think these are the two books 
that I have bought for more friends, more family, and more of my mentoring clients than any others. <laughs> I do that Because too. they've changed my own life in a huge way. One is, um, and this is out of the order in which I read them, but in the order that I would recommend that you read them, is the first one, uh, Let Your Life Speak by Parker Palmer. Have you read that one? Nope, I'm adding to my notepad <gasps> oh, right oh now. My gosh. Okay, you have to send me your address. I'm sending yeah. it to you as a gift. <laughs> Honestly, it's like the teeniest, tiniest little book. It's weird. It's like, I mean, it's just small um, in the sense that the book, like the actual copy I have is a hardbound, smaller copy. So it's adorable and it's really easy to shove in your purse and take it anywhere. But it also is short. Like it's not a lot, it's an easy read. The chapters are short. Um, and I remember, I think I read the first chapter and was like, excuse me, where have you been all my life? And also I knew immediately. So I have this whole like morning routine that I go through that involves, um, my devotional and then journaling, which is mostly prayer, but other stuff too. I mean, mostly my entire, I kind of just, my entire interior dialogue is just mostly, I consider that prayer. So when I'm journaling, I do that as well. And so then I read, um, usually a chapter of nonfiction, um, or spirituality type book, um, which by the way, you posted recently about, um, Jenny Allen's new book and that's next on my list. And I'm actually trying to finish, I'm trying to finish the one that I'm on now, but I'm, since I only do a chapter a day, I'm like, okay, eight more chapters, eight more days until I'm starting that one. It's a good one. But I'm really excited. But anyways, so I started reading this one, let your life speak in that way. And I was like, I wanted to almost split it up into smaller, like a few pages every day because it's that good. It's really, really good. Um, it talks so much about um, letting your, the way that you, it's like instead of figuring out your purpose and then pointing yourself toward that and having that be your goal, it talks more about um, asking how you want your life to speak to others um, and then letting everything else fall into place after that. And so I'm not really doing it justice Ooh. at all, but it's it's beautiful and you'll love it. And then the other book is a little bit more of a practical book and it's called Making Ideas Happen by Scott Belsky. And um, he he's known for... Um, Parker Palmer is really interesting. He's actually a Quaker. He, he's a part of the Quaker faith, I believe. And so he has like a more spiritual background. But then Scott Belsky is um, known, really well known in the design, the visual design community. He started the Behance Network and the 99U oh, wow. or the 99% and the 99 University. And so he's he's done a lot of stuff, but he wrote this book called Making Ideas Happen. And essentially it's the perfect book for anyone who considers themselves a creative that has a hard time or is challenged by actually getting the stuff in their head to happen in real life. Ooh. Um, it's very actionable. It's very, um, and I actually, as a creative who feels like most of the time, the inside of my brain is like a pinball machine of ideas, <laughs> yes. um, in a good way. Like I love that about myself and it is really a, a fun experience of imagination and everything, but it's, it can be challenging in a career where I'm in charge and, I can follow these rabbit trails too often. Um, his tools and his instructions for how to actually make stuff happen is like magical to me. And I still use it to this day. And I've read it probably, I don't know, once a year for the past several years. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. Okay, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm, I've got my Amazon, you know, ready to roll. Yes. 
<laughs> Both are so good. The other one that was really helpful last year, actually, as I was starting season, and I've journaled about this a bunch. A lot of the journal entries I wrote during that time, I'm continuing to transcribe them over onto the season website because I think just like both the win- the big wins and the scary moments hopefully will be encouraging to people as they're pursuing their own dreams. But the book that was really powerful for me during that time was The War of Art. Oh, most people, people yes. yeah, yeah, most people know The Art of War, which is like the old classic. But the, the War of Art by Stephen Pressfield was really helpful for me last year. And also essentialism. <laughs> yes, I have that on my on my bedside table right now. Have you read it? I haven't started it. I just, <gasps> I I'm going through um, some oh. curriculum with some friends that I might use in my own stuff. Uh, they developed it, but they they don't want to like you know teach it really. <laughs> they just want to sell it. And they cool. have this like whole. It's called they've called it the Ideas Collective, and it's cool. ba- basically this four week series or four month series of bringing your ideas into reality and. You know, I love concepting that with people and I often am able to do that, but I didn't want to develop curriculum. So I'm going... Wow, that sounds amazing. It's like a perfect partnership because they developed the curriculum. I have conversations like that all the time. I just didn't want to develop curriculum. So I'm reading Essentialism for the second week of that or the second month of that. So it's good. I remember I first read the first few pages and was like, Oh, I don't think this is written for people like me. Um, (laughs) and so I put it down I stopped reading it and for like a year and then I picked it back up again. And that was another one that really helped me a lot last summer. So I liked that one a lot. Okay. I mean, I'm excited to start that. I mean, that's literally on, on the, the weekend docket is nice. I'm excited for you. I can't wait to hear. We'll have to recap after, you know, after you've read some of these, you'll have to let me know. I will. And so, okay. Can you tell everyone before we go where they can find you? Of course. So our website is seasoneveryday.com. And then we're launching our Kickstarter. I don't know when this will go live, so it may or may not still be available, but dress will be available for pre-order over there. And you can find the Kickstarter from, from going straight to our site. And then on social media, we are season every day. So if you just type that in the search, you will find us. It's been really fun to kind of experiment with new um, new channels because obviously I've been on most of the social media platforms for years and years at Style and Pepper. Um, but you know, you can follow me on both. I kind of do different things on either, but um, Seasons the one for the dress, and then Style and Pepper is where is more um, lifestyle and matters of the heart and. Um, just any of the fun, cool stuff we experience. And then if you're curious about the podcast too, it's, um, it's called marriage is funny and we are meet the peppers on social media for that. I will link everything up in the show notes and it has <laughs> been a lot. <laughs> yeah, it has been so fun to have you. Thank you, Kelsey. What a delight. You guys, I had such a blast chatting with Jesse today, and it was really such an honor. I am so thankful to call her a new friend, and I know you guys are going to love following along with her as well. All of her social media links have been provided in the show notes, and you'll definitely have to check out her Kickstarter. I am getting behind it, and I'd love for you guys to do so as well. There's nothing more I'd love to see than her vision and her line come to life because she designs pretty awesome things. As always, you can keep in touch with us at radiantcollective.org where all of our respective sites will go from there. You can find us as Radiant Collective on Instagram and the Radiant Podcast on Instagram. If you're looking for community, we would love for you to join us in the Radiant Discipleship community online. 
for $7 a month, you get access to 12 video devotionals and a private Facebook community. If you're hungry for friendship, faith, and connection, here's the place. We'd love for you to join us. There's links to that over at radiantcollective.org, or you can just go straight to radiantcommunity.org. Did you know we just launched city meetups? We would love to come to your city. If you don't see that on the maps, you can apply to host a city meetup in your city. It's just a place where women across the world can come together in friendship and connection and meet together once a month and get to know other like-minded women in your communities. We just launched Colorado Springs and Nashville in April, and we have a few more cities on the radar for May. So, There's always room for your city. We'd love for you to host. You can find out information about that as well at radiantcollective.org. Until next week, thanks for joining me. If you love the music from this episode, it's by Kayla. You can find her on iTunes, C-A-L-A-H. And the show is produced by Christian Sager. Give the gift of choice this season with multi-store cards at giftcards.com. With multi-store cards, treat them to dinner, movies, or shopping on one convenient card. Featuring all your favorites like Macy's, Alta, and Lululemon. It's a great gift card everyone will love. For last-minute gifting, choose the Happy Holidays or Holiday Favorites e-gift, delivered straight to their inbox. Purchase multi-store cards today at www.giftcards.com slash multi-store. Whatcha doing? Trying on glasses with Zenny's 3D Virtual Try-On. Wait, are those the actual prices? I say get all of them. Seriously, why not, right? Oh, now I want new glasses. Zenni.com. Quality prescription glasses starting at $6.95.